Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's time to preview Packers Cowboys. It will be a 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff on Sunday at Lambeau Field. We all know where the Packers are. Five straight losses, three and six, trying to get back in the win column. The Dallas Cowboys are six and two right in the thick of the playoff chase in the NFC. And this is a team that is 6-1 since an opening loss in Week 1, and their only loss since Week 1 is to the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. They have wins over the Bengals, the Giants, and the Rams among those in the meantime. We obviously were hoping the Packers would get things turned around before this. But if they can get it turned around against the Dallas Cowboys and get back in the win column, this would be a significant victory because this is a Cowboys team that is playing awfully well and coming off of their bye week. It's time. Uh, The Packers need to get one here, Mike. You and I have talked about it for five straight weeks. Um, You know, it has been a a grind here uh, for this football team trying to get back into the win column. And what you and I said going into this game against Detroit last Sunday was that this road does not get any easier. Um, after Dallas, it's Tennessee. We know what Derek Henry on a, can On do. a short week, no less. On a short week. Philadelphia is the best in the business. Even, even Chicago is not looking like the game it was two months ago. The Green Bay Packers have to take care of business on Sunday if they are going to make a run here uh, towards a playoff spot and, and get back within this NFC conference race. The, the difficult thing when you look at Dallas on paper is they're just so dynamic uh, in a multitude of different areas. I mean, it's not that they are the deepest team in the NFL, but between Dak Prescott, their two running backs, C.D. Lamb, uh, you, know, you know, you look at those defenders, um, Micah Parsons might be the best in the game right now, most versatile for sure. Probably, probably the front runner right now. It's only halfway through the season, but the front runner for defensive player of the year, most likely in the NFL, and Michael it, Parsons. His statistics just jump off the page because yeah. it's not just the sacks; it's the pressures, it's the interceptions, it's the takeaways. It's the the guy can hurt you in so many different ways. Trayvon Diggs is one of the best ball hawks in the game right now. So the Packers have their work cut out for them against Mike McCarthy's team here, and and you know the only way you can slice this is. Packers are going to be the underdogs here this week, next Thursday, probably the week after that, regardless of the outcome of these games. 
You have to find a way. Well, with the injury earlier this season to Dak Prescott, it seemed as though the Cowboys, with Cooper Rush, the backup, filling in, and they went 4-0. and I believe it was 4-0 and in, in Prescott's absence with Cooper Rush at quarterback. It's almost as though they found their identity in that in that this is a team that is based on its defense. These guys are these guys are ranked third in the league in points allowed. And the statistic that absolutely jumps off the page to me that I mentioned in our three things video that we shot after Wednesday's practice. These guys are plus 21 in sack differential. They have 33 sacks in 8 games while only allowing 12 on the other side. That says something about how they are winning in the trenches yep. on a consistent basis week after week. Micah Parsons leads the way with eight sacks. They have three other guys with four-plus on the season um, on the way to that that total of 33. And you mentioned Trayvon Diggs. He had the big year with all the interceptions last year. Not quite as many this year, but still has three leading the team. He's the guy. He's sort of the, the takeaway guy with that defense. And a lot, of, a lot of what the Cowboys have been able to accomplish when you look at the numbers is this is a team that starts fast and finishes strong. They have outscored opponents 46-15 to in the first quarter and 54-23 to in the fourth quarter. They get on you in a hurry, and then they finish the game late. That's why these guys are 6-1 and since dropping an opening week of uh, Ball game, I believe it was to Tampa Bay. Yeah, and if you look at this situation, Mike, where you know that first year Mike McCarthy gets there, he hires Mike Nolan as his DC. Things don't really go in the right direction for them in year one. Dan Quinn becomes available after his you know separation from Atlanta, and you know with everything that's happened over the last ten years, we've kind of forgotten about that that lineage of Seattle defensive coordinators and what they did and how many guys got head coaching jobs out of that position. Yeah, Quinn was one that basically helped start that wave. And I think when listening to Matt Lafleur, who worked for Quinn for two years in Atlanta, hearing not only the impact he made in terms of how they go about building a football team and having a basketball hoop in their you know, conference, their team meeting room. That's something that started with Quinn. But the way in which Quinn continually evolves his scheme, every place he's been, his defense has looked a little bit different, trying to stay on the front edge of that wheel uh, of, of, you know, parity in this league. And, you know, you go through the names, just if we can, for this defense. You know, Micah Parsons, obviously. Demarcus Lawrence is having a fantastic year for them. Leighton Vander Esch is a guy that I've felt for years is one of the more underrated uh, off-ball linebackers in this league. Anthony Barr is there now. Jaron Curse, um, Dante Fowler has four sacks yeah. this season for them. There's a lot of talent. And there's a lot of names, and and being able to have guys sort of step up and and play to the scheme. Uh, I think has been the real hallmark for them so far, and, and Quinn really getting the most out of these players. Certainly you throw in an, an athlete like Parsons, that we you see it all the time, what a superstar can do for a defense, but you know they got a lot of guys that are stepping up along with him. Yeah, but you make a great point with regard to Quinn because even when, when Parsons was drafted out of Penn State and was first kind of trying to find his way with the Cowboys defense, everybody was wondering, well, like, where does this guy fit? Like, what's yeah. he going to do? Well, enter Dan Quinn, and it's not about where does Micah Parsons fit. It's about just how do we use him? Yep. And, and that's, how, that's how Quinn has gone about it. And he has turned, 
he has turned Parsons in a very short time into a superstar in this league. He is the he is the guy that jumps off the film. He is the guy you have to have a target on when you game plan against this defense. And uh, and they 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 use him. Dan Quinn uses him in so many different ways. And as you said, you rattle off all the other names. There's a heck of a there's a heck of a cast out there defensively for the Cowboys that uh, um, that Quinn has to play yeah. with as well. On the offensive yeah. side, I know there are some questions as far as whether or not Ezekiel Elliott is going to be available this week. We will have to see with regard to that. <laughs> but Tony Pollard, he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry, Wes. I mean, yeah. you talk about how, and I mentioned that obviously the defense is kind of the foundation and, and the way they built this team with Prescott's injury and Cooper Rush playing quarterback. But Tony Pollard averaging six yards a carry is going to help out any quarterback. I don't care if it's Prescott or Rush in there under center. This is a team that this is a team that can run the football when it wants to, and uh, um, but also has has the big play weapons in C.D. Lamb, uh, Jake Ferguson, the former Wisconsin tight end, has yeah. a couple touchdowns the last the last couple weeks for um, for this Dallas offense. They have a lot of different places they can turn. It doesn't all fall on Dak Prescott now that he's back, and it didn't all fall on Cooper Rush, which is why they were able to win games without Prescott. This is what is so unfair about what Dallas has done this season. Look at Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Uh, Pollard almost reminds me a little bit of like that um, MJD after you know Fred Taylor, like some of these places that had a real name running back, but then there was a young guy that just sort of came up behind him. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to disres- disrespect Zeke at all. He could play in this game. He could easily go off for 150 yards. But there's a reason why so many people are talking about that platoon and that two-headed monster because Pollard has literally inserted himself into that conversation against one of the league's most noteworthy and named running backs. Yeah. But it's not just that, right? Michael Gallup is banged up. They have guys stepping up at receiver. Dalton Schultz is not having the season he had last year. He's also battled some injuries. Well, then Jake Ferguson, as you said, has two touchdowns this season. Where they've needed guys to step up, Cooper Rush is the number one example of that. But at the skill positions, at some of the other areas where they've lost a, a star, a bona fide starter, um, or that player's just been banged up, they've had guys respond to that. So I think that's a credit to Mike McCarthy. I think that's a credit to Kellen Moore for making the most of those offensive weapons that he has. And also you have to give credit to the the Jones family and the front office being able to acquire a lot of rich talent for this team. um, The deeper you are, the the better you're going to do handling those injuries. Yeah, well, I want to get to the keys to victory for the Packers here in a minute. But first, a little bit of sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, keys to victory for the Packers coming into this one. I don't like to uh, um, berate the obvious, but I think this game... With as banged up as the Packers are at receiver, we know things are still somewhat in flux on the offensive line. I think Aaron Rodgers has to have the type of bounce-back game that he has had regularly throughout his career. He threw three interceptions for the first time in five seasons. 
But when he's had those rough games, he generally has bounced back with a really, really, really strong performance, and the Packers are absolutely 100% going to need that from number 12 on Sunday. And, and this team desperately just needed to get home. Um, now, you, you have to make the most out of this. It's not perfect. Five days, two games, it's still going to be a challenge. You know the opponent waiting on the other side of it. But we saw the way they looked throughout this stretch of four road trips in five weeks. It, it just Every week it just seemed like a little bit more energy was being zapped out of them. The injuries started to mount a little bit more. Well, now you kind of get to catch your breath again. And getting back to the Rodgers situation, it, I really think this game is going to come down to turnovers, takeaways, and ball control. Um, I said a lot of positive things about the Dallas Cowboys. The fact of the matter is their passing game hasn't been overly dynamic this year. They have been kind of one-dimensional. They've dedicated themselves to the run a little bit more and making the most of those um, short yardage and, and situational opportunities. One of the reasons they've been able to do that is they haven't had a ton of takeaway or they haven't had a ton of giveaways and they have a defense that is leading the league in sacks, is, is being able to pressure the opposition. They're winning as a complete football team. Uh, the Packers need to do that to be able to win this game on Sunday. I think it starts with Rodgers. I think it starts with being able to not only move the football again. That, that if you could take 389 yards and just plop it into this game with maybe a little bit more rushing offense, perfect. You get inside the red zone, you have to convert that into points. Packers came up short there against Detroit. That area has to get kind of flushed out here now against the Cowboys. I think another big area in this game, and I guess I bring it up because because the Packers are facing the Cowboys, and one of Mike McCarthy's challenges this year as the head coach at Dallas was to cut back on the penalties because Dallas last year was flagged like crazy, and all those flags that flew in the opening playoff game against San Francisco, that's why the Cowboys got knocked out uh, in that round as, as early as they did. And there were some penalty issues early this season with the Cowboys as well, but those numbers have come down. During this five-game losing streak, the Packers have been penalized way too many times. Some games it's been, the, the last couple games, it, the, the personal fouls are the ones that have stood out the most. Before that, you know, there was, there, there was holding and false start issues and things like that. It always seems to be every game there is, uh, there is some penalty category that sort of bites the Packers in the rear end, and they've got, to, they've got to be able to get rid of that. You can't continue to play four quarters and look at the stats at the end and see that you had eight or nine penalties called against you when there are always going to be a couple of penalties that are declined as well. Those are just the accepted ones. Yeah. That's the, that's the shoot yourself in the foot kind of stuff that, uh, that the Packers continue to do. Um, they, it, it, it comes back to, it comes back to playing clean football on both sides of the ball and not just giving yardage away to your opponents. Cause the Packers have done that too much the last month. The big thing I look at, you know, through these games so far this season, last year, nullified yards through 17 games, 165 this season, they're already at 144. Uh, it's the, when you look at, you know, being able to start on first down, avoiding a holding penalty there, avoiding a false start, the procedural stuff that Matt LaFleur has talked about. There was some times this year, it didn't happen last week, but there's been some times, especially during this losing streak, where you've seen them have uh, you know, legal formation penalties that just they didn't have uh, during the first couple seasons underneath Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And then certainly, you know, a player gets to the sideline, you get them out of bounds, you got to be careful there. You have to be able to avoid that. Some things are going to happen. We talked with Kingsley and Igbari about this at his locker on Wednesday. He's going in for a sack. 
Goff is going down. You got to be more mindful of his hands. He's admitting that, but it's a moving target game. Some things, unfortunately, are going to happen, but it's the discipline penalties. It's the ones that are, are going to tack on an extra 15 yards to an 11-yard run. I mean, it, it's those type of things. Those are explosive plays, Mike. Yeah. And, and when you tilt the field like that, it gives the opponent a real opportunity not only to get points, but zap that momentum in their favor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Well, the Packers obviously are, are dealing with a number of injuries on both sides of the ball. We will see by the end of practice on Friday when the final injury report comes out just where things stand with all these players. But with what we know about the injury situation, who are the guys that you see being forced into a larger role and more playing time than they've gotten in the past and and the guys that have to young guys that have to seize this opportunity not only to help the Packers but potentially for their own careers well it starts with Inigbari because Mike for two and a half years you and I have been talking about you know okay you had the Smith Rose and you had Gary who else is going to be the guy and and now they're at a situation where you have Preston and without Rashawn Gary potentially here for the rest of the season who's going to step up Inigbari is a guy that I think, and you you touched on this too with some of your writings. You know, he he's he's made steady improvement every week. Yep. And I think that's has. what you're looking for from him. Defends the run well. Uh, he's and he even it was really interesting. Listen to him lay out his thought process, right? Because his number one thing is he's going through the preseason as he's like, I'm not really facing a whole lot of like starting NFL tackles, right? I, I'm going up against guys that maybe in the league, maybe on practice squads. Maybe he won't even make the National Football League this season. But he said what that first sack against Tampa Bay did for him is it proved to him in his mind that, okay, I can not only hold my own, that was the first step, I can make plays against these guys. And he said the next step, something that Rashawn Gary talks about, a lot of the guys talk about, the veterans talk about on this team, is finding dominance, moments where you're going to dominate the opposition. In Igbari, other than maybe that 40-time, Mike, there was so much to like about him coming out of South Carolina. Didn't have like a 25-sack season or anything, but just was a very consistent, steady guy. Has great size for the position. And he's going to be the next man up here. Jonathan Garvin, Tipa Nalii potentially coming back here, Ladarius Hamilton. There are other outside linebackers there. But ultimately, when you're looking for the guy that's probably going to be starting opposite Preston Smith, it starts with Inigbari. And you have to think that offenses without Gary on the field offenses are gonna are gonna shade their protection to Preston Smith's side if there are one-on-ones on the other side whether it's Enigbari or Garvin or if Nalii comes off of injured reserve and gets gets some snaps there you've got to be able to win that one-on-one and get that offense to uh, to pay attention to the pass rush on the other side as well I think offensively we know Randall Cobb is still out Romeo Dobbs it sounds like he's going to be out for at least a few weeks Christian Watson has exited each of the last two games, two weeks ago with a concussion. Last week, precautionary, as we talked about on our last show, turned out it was not a concussion. It was actually a shot to the uh, to the chest that knocked the wind out of him. Packers are going to need Christian Watson. The, the, 
I know he he hasn't been able to play as much as they would like and as much as he would like. He doesn't have the experience level based on all the time that he's missed that everybody was hoping that Christian Watson as the number 34 overall pick in the draft would have at the midpoint of the season. But you kind of in a way you kind of have to throw that out the window and say Christian Watson, this is your this is your time. This team really really needs you right now. And uh, and I, I look for I look for the young man to uh, to make an impact on Sunday if the Packers are going to have a shot here. Different round, different year, and different expectations. But in some ways, it kind of is that callback to what Marquez Valdez Scantling had to do in '18. And it was one of the reasons why I was when people get on MVS about his drops, I always was kind of like, "Are you guys are you ridiculous here?" Because one, he was a fifth round pick. Anything you get out of him there is a is a plus. But two. It was the dimension that he brought to the offense. Yep. And he was thrown into a position to make plays that a lot of fifth-round picks, especially in a contending team like the Packers expected to be that year, they're, they're typically not put into those spots. That's where Watson is right now. I mean, you look at that injury report on Wednesday for Green Bay, Mike, it's expansive. Yep. Now, we'll see what they do at the end of this week. There's some options with the practice squad. We'll see here, you know, next week, next Thursday, Randall Cobb would be eligible. That'd be his first game he's eligible to come back for. Alan Lazard's gutting through some stuff. Samori Toure's been put in positions. But Watson was the second-round pick. He's the guy that when he walks into the room, you go, wow, that's an NFL receiver in terms of how he's built, where he was drafted, and the speed that he has when he's on the field. And, Mike, let's be honest, when Watson's there – at least it's been this way the past month. Maybe you feel differently, but I feel like that's when the Packers' offense looks the most like itself. Absolutely, I I, I believe I believe that a hundred percent. I think I think because he brings a dimension to the offense that nobody else does, that defenses have a harder time against this Packers' offense when he's on the field and his his absence for at different times, different reasons, everything else. But his absence. Over the first nine games of the season, I think is one of the biggest reasons this Packers offense is still trying to find itself. And I know there have been issues on the offensive line. His injury has not been the only one at receiver. So, but if Christian Watson is out there on a regular basis, I think the Packers offense starts to will always look a, at least a little bit more like we expect it to look. Yeah, and, and I know Justin are working the controls here because Matt Arvin is on uh, holiday. I know he doesn't have the Mike Spofford, you know, let's be real moment of the week graphic queued up, but let's be real here about something else. It has been basically the worst case scenario for the Packers at receiver. The plan going into this season was it's Alan Lazard, it's Randall Cobb, it's Sammy Watkins. That's going to be the three, and you let all the young guys develop from there. Watkins has the hamstring injury. Now he has the knee injury. Lazard ends up having to miss week one because of the ankle he got stepped on in practice. Then he gets the shoulder injury, and obviously we know the situation with Cobb. That was going to be what the Packers hang their hat on in the early part of the season. That fell apart. You needed Romeo Dobbs. You needed Watson when he's been available, and you've needed Toure to be those guys stepping up. All three of them, Mike, they've been in playing bigger roles than I think any of us could have anticipated when they're on the field. And you hope going into the second half now, they'll be better for it as the Packers try to mount some kind of push. Yeah, absolutely. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Well, looking around the league in Week 10, a couple of games to touch on. First uh, NFL regular season game in Germany on uh, hey. Sunday morning. Seattle against Tampa Bay, an interesting one. Um, Tampa Bay, maybe the Buccaneers found something with that fourth quarter comeback against the Rams last week. Are Tom Brady and the Bucks going to make a push here? Um, Seattle with uh, with Geno Smith playing lights out football at quarterback. The the Seahawks are the surprise of the NFL as far as I'm concerned so far at uh, roughly the midway point. A couple other games to keep an eye on. Minnesota is at Buffalo. We don't know if Josh Allen is going to play or not with that elbow injury for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the Vikings, of course, having won six consecutive one-score games. And then another cross-conference matchup, the Chargers, who I think maybe after a slow start are, are starting to find themselves a little bit with Justin Herbert settling in, you know, finding his rhythm a little bit, but now playing at San Francisco, a 49ers team that uh, really feels it's got a lot going for itself with Christian McCaffrey, another offensive weapon added to the mix in the big trade and all that. Those, to me, other than Packers-Cowboys, obviously, at 325, those are the three other games that are the most intriguing yeah. to me on the Week 10 schedule. Totally. And, and with the Chargers, too, you wonder, like, I don't know if Keenan Allen can get back this week. He's been kind of working through a lot of stuff. But, man, if he, they could just get that guy healthy in terms of the one-two punch him and Herbert have been in the early part of his career. Sure. Uh, Cardinals and Rams is very interesting. You have two three-win teams uh, going up against each other. I know Division Cliff rivals, Kingsbury. Yeah. It's been in a tough spot so far, uh, but it, it is interesting. I, I go back to that Vikings game because we'll see what happens with Josh Allen. If it's not Allen, then it's Case Keenum, and then there's another storyline there for you know Minnesota <laughs> beat writers just getting dropped right into their lap. Certainly. Uh, but realistically, I'm very interested to see this Minnesota offense go up against this Buffalo defense mm-hmm. because Minnesota's not been running the ball as well as they have historically. Now, some of that, again, is – Delvin Cook being a little banged up right now, but if this thing gets in Kirk Cousins' hands, how does he react to that? How does he react if the defense isn't getting you know prime field position for them? It's it, it, it's not the litmus test it would have been if Josh Allen's a hundred percent, right? But it, it's still a, a very intriguing matchup considering. When they saw Miami, they were facing Skylar Thompson, and that just wasn't the same offense as it is with Tua or even Teddy Bridgewater. Well, I mean, Tua Tua's leading the league in passer rating yes. right now. So, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that he the fact that he missed that game earlier against uh, against Minnesota that completely changed that matchup. Yeah. So, I mean, this is I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. It, my last thought: it's too bad Tampa's been on this this going through these doldrums they did because how funny would it have been Packers and Giants? That was the first time in 15 years there was a winning team versus a winning team in London. Right. How funny would that have been if Seattle would be taking on Tampa in the first game in Germany and they both would have been over 500? Yeah, both, two, two, teams with, yeah, two teams awesome. with winning records. But they came one win short of that. So Yeah, well, it's a full Sunday of football with that early game over there in Germany. You can uh, can tune in from sunup to sundown to, uh, to the NFL on Sunday. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of Sunday's game against the Cowboys. We will have everything for you from Lambeau Field right here on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 